Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. I'd like for us this morning to look at the Christmas story according to the Apostle Matthew. And the theme this morning is the stone cut out without hands. We're here today celebrating the fulfillment of prophecy. It was prophesied again and again that Jesus would come, that he would come in the manger and all of those details that were there. And the reason we're celebrating today is because those prophecies came to pass. In looking at Matthew 1, we have in just a few words, in fact, eight verses, where Matthew records the amazing, miraculous account of Jesus' virgin birth. It's interesting that it's uh, only eight verses when he talks about the virgin birth. Other places in Scripture, of course, make reference. And then in chapter 2, he records the magnificent, mysterious account of the arrival of the Magi, or the wise men from the east. And I would like us on this Christmas morning to take the time to look at that and read it together. So we, I believe, will have it on our PowerPoint, or you can open your uh, device, as long as you're not reading all the Christmas greetings from friends. Open your device to Matthew, the second chapter, verse 1. Or the old-fashioned way, you can use it in print, the Bible. So here we go. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Trouble means to stir, or he was agitated. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and they quoted Micah, the prophet, who had said these words 700 years before. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. He lied. 
And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. <clears throat> and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's where the idea of gift giving comes from. Then being divinely warned in a dream, these wise men were warned not to return to Herod, and so they departed for their own country another way. The prominence of the space that is given to the account of the wise men suggests that there's some importance to this story. And I want to tie this in with the idea of prophecy being fulfilled. But we're left with questions because this doesn't answer all of the questions. And we want to know, for instance, what does King Herod have to do with this baby? Why was he so troubled as to seek a baby's life and kill the baby boys of Jerusalem? What was that all about? And where did these wise men come from? Boy, that's a debated story, isn't it? Not being Jewish, how did they know? And why their urgency to come so far to pay homage to a baby? And of course, then there's the curiosity of the star. We won't deal with that one much this morning. And I won't try to satisfy our curiosity nor do I want to add to some of the fables that get added to the story of Christmas. But especially this Christmas day will remind us that as surely as ancient prophecies came to pass, as surely as they have been fulfilled, we still have a message of hope in our troubled times. There is much more to come. There are more prophecies to be fulfilled much to come. Our pastor Murray has been doing a Christmas series from Isaiah 9-6, and he has been reminding us of our hope in the names that were given to Jesus from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. And I'd like for us to look at that and read that again today. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'd like for us to look at this additional name this morning. The title that I use, The Stone Cut from the mountain without hands. Now, the coming of a mighty king had been prophesied, talked about, written, and expected for centuries inside and outside of Judaism. There was, seemed to be an expectancy worldwide that there would be a great king that would come on the scene and rule the world. Balaam, as an example of that, some 1,400 years before Christ, was paid to curse the host of the Israelites as they were camped coming out of Egypt in the wilderness. And instead of cursing them, he pronounced a blessing on them. 
In Numbers 24, 17, he said, a star, notice that, a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter or a ruler shall rise out of Israel. Now, it was in eight, it's about 600 years, there was a prophecy that came to Daniel in the Far East during the darkest time in Israel's history to that point. They'd been conquered by the Babylonian Empire and their exceedingly wicked and powerful King Nebuchadnezzar had forced them to trek some 1,700 miles from their homeland to a new land of Babylon. And I just want to mention that this King Nebuchadnezzar was so wicked that he commanded three young Jewish men thrown into a furnace of fire because they refused to bow to his image. He was not a nice guy. But God gave this maniac a dream, which makes me think that God still talks to maniacs. And he gave him a dream in Daniel 2, and Nebuchadnezzar demanded of his assortment of prophets and astrologers and sorcerers and soothsayers and magicians and palm readers and Chaldeans, all of them, they would gather everybody they could together that would seem to have some kind of knowledge of the unknown so they could conduct the affairs of the nation by their interpretations of dreams. But King Nebuchadnezzar commanded that they tell him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. They said, well, you tell us the dream. And he was smart enough to know that these people were not all necessarily honest. And so he said, no, you tell me the dream first and then the interpretation. These were men that were held in very high esteem in the nation. And when they protested that they could not, that no man could tell the king the dream, Neb commanded their execution. And Daniel and three young Hebrew children that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a part, apparently, of that group of wise men. And upon hearing the decree, they sought God, and God revealed to Daniel the dream and the interpretation. And so Daniel went before the king and said, in Daniel, the second chapter, verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Oh, I love that, don't you? There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And then Daniel told him his dream, and he told him the interpretation of the dream. And King Nebuchadnezzar was so impacted by this that Daniel 2.46 said the king fell prostrate on his face before Daniel. Think of that. This is the guy that was threatening so many people and had already defeated the Israelites and made them march. Now he falls before one young man, perhaps a teenager, falls before him, and then he promoted Daniel, giving him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and notice this, he made Daniel chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Wow. 
And Daniel served for nearly the full 70-year captivity of the Israelites under four different monarchs as chief of wise men and interpreter of dreams. In fact, nine of the 12 chapters of the book of Daniel revolve around the dreams and visions. Now then, let me ask you this. In the college of Babylonian prophets, what would become the core curriculum? Do you suppose they would gather under Daniel and talk about some of their, their incantations and reading the tea leaves and reading the palm? Do you suppose, or would Daniel as the administrator, the one who said there is a God who reveals secrets, don't you suppose Daniel would have talked to them about the dreams and visions that God was giving him? Certainly he would have. And so the curriculum would have changed. Let's read it in Daniel's revelation what part of that core curriculum would have been. Chapter 2, verse 44 through 45, he said, In the days of these kings, of the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, he says to Nebuchadnezzar, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. That means no other king is going to inherit this. No other people are going to inherit it. It's going to be an established kingdom that will last forever. And this kingdom... And this king shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch, Nebuchadnezzar, as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain with our hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. All of those items represented different kingdoms that would follow. And Daniel said, the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. I want to read that again. Daniel finished by saying to the king, the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Now, as the sovereign God, the one in heaven who reveals secrets, surely kept in lie, alive in the Babylonian archives through succeeding generations. This prophecy in Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, surely he kept it alive and very possibly these wise men were descendants 500 years later, 600 years later of the school of prophets in Babylon because they had looked for centuries for the king that would come and establish the kingdom. So now 600 years later, by some miraculous event in the stars, God has revealed to these stargazers from the east, these possible descendants, that the king was finally born. And then my question now, what does that have to do with you and me this Christmas morning and 2022. As surely as the numerous prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled and demonstrated, such a powerful witness that Herod was terrified, so the rest of the prophecies concerning Christ and his kingdom will come to pass. 
Today, we celebrate, as I said, the fulfillment of prophecies concerning Christ. And as surely as those prophecies came to pass, so will the rest of the prophecies concerning him. Now, here is a warning to me, to you and I. It's amazing that the Jews missed it. The chief priests, the intelligentsia of the day, when Herod asked them about information about this, they knew where, but they couldn't recognize the event, didn't know the times. And foolish, paranoid King Herod actually thought he could nullify God's prophecies and thwart God's centuries-old plan. Kill the baby king. That'll solve my problem. John 1.11 says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But these foreign emissaries recognized the signs And they didn't wait until Jesus was grown and on a king's throne, but they came to honor the young child king. Great expense, great trouble they traveled to honor him. Only a few in Israel heeded the fulfillment of the prophecies. We don't know of everyone, but we do read of a few. Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, There was that aged woman, Anna, and aged Simeon in the temple. They came and they recognized because they watched expectantly, expecting this Jesus to come in some manner. And Jesus, in his ministry, repeated often. And so it concerns me that I watch as Jesus spoke. Watch, therefore, he often would say. And that's my concern today and your concern today. There are many today that are celebrating. They're celebrating the birth, but it will probably, possibly stop there. What about the future? Is there any more to this? What about the prophecies to those shepherds, the sign to the shepherds, the promise to Mary? What about all of that? Our world is weary. Trouble seems to be repeated again and again. War weary. And when at the end of World War I, they said this is the war that will bring to an end all wars. And we know today that that's certainly not true. So we still look for the stone cut out of the mountain without hands that will establish an eternal kingdom. We watch, we wait, and we hope. We celebrate that first coming, but we know there is another coming, and it will not be like the first coming, for Jesus said he'll come in the clouds. He said there will be some that will say, you know, he's out there in the wilderness or he's over here somewhere. somewhere." Jesus said don't look at that. Don't go after them. Remember, he will come in the clouds. No devil, no demon, no wise guy can do that. Only Jesus can come in the clouds. And the angel said, when Jesus ascended 
At some 33 years of age, the angels appeared and said, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, he could have said, this stone cut out of the mountain without hands will come again just as you saw him go. So we're in a weary world. We're in a troubled nation. We're in a troubled world. Trouble is not just on the borders of America, it is everywhere in our world. But we're not troubled beyond hope. We still have the hope of the Christ that is coming. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, famous poet from the 1800s, wrote in the midst of the Civil War when the United States was fighting one another Brother killing brother, killing fellow Americans. A horrific, horrific war. And these are the words that he wrote. And we sometimes sing them today. I heard the bells. Somewhere I think they're going to be, I guess not. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. I do have the words here. There they are. And mild and sweet, their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. That's us, church. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Our mighty king will come again. His kingdom cut out of the mountain without hands, will be established forever in this universe. And it's a kingdom not created by human hands. That means no political party, no vote. No one gets to vote. We just get to vote to be in it, to rule forever in righteousness, justice, and that promised peace on earth, goodwill toward men. In fact, because any kingdom must consist of people, Jesus' long-promised kingdom is both now and future. It's not all future. It's both now and future. Because you who have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior are being established in the kingdom. You are the kingdom of God. We don't have our permanent place yet but you are the kingdom, the people of the kingdom. And he is adding to the people part of that kingdom daily. That's why the angels, including those angels that came to the shepherds, those angels at the manger are celebrating every new entry into the kingdom of God. A passport's required. And a passport is available, available to anyone who has not yet become a part of the kingdom.
And the passport is repentance and the forgiveness of sins stamped with the red blood of Jesus Christ that says, I paid for your sin. That makes you fit to enter into the kingdom. Jesus and his church are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it is coming day by day by day being established. And I want to say to us today that there is still a star this Christmas morning, a light to guide you to the king and into his kingdom. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, his faithful pastors and teachers, your family, your neighbors are the star that God has established to guide you to the kingdom. My question this morning, do you recognize this king? The one that they are pointing you toward, do you recognize him? Or will we be like the Jewish nation? Didn't understand, didn't know, too busy about other things to recognize the king had come. Christmas. We celebrate his first coming in a manger, but that's just a prelude to the final story in human history. The next major event, the stone cut out of the mountain, will return in the clouds, and it'll put an end to all earthly kingdoms, and he will establish his own literal kingdom. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Are you in it? Are you in? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in. Praise God, we're in. I'd like for us to stand this morning. And I want to say that if you're here this morning and you don't feel like you're in, maybe you came with family, you came with friends at their invitation, or you just felt like you needed to be in the house of the Lord, for whatever reason, this morning, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, oh, Christmas is a wonderful time to receive Christ, to receive that great gift of salvation. The greatest gift God can give you is not the prosperity of your job, not the prosperity of your health. It's not even the greatest gift of your family, but the greatest gift that God gives you is eternal life and to be established in the kingdom that he has come to set up. This celebration, this Christmas celebration is all about the coming of a Savior. He shall be called Jesus, Savior, and our Lord. And if you're, not, if you're here this morning and you're not a part of that kingdom, it's easy on your part, it's hard on his. He's the one that gave everything. And I say easy on your part, except there's one formidable foe that stands in your way, pride. Human pride stands in the way. I've seen grown men, tough men, at death's door that knew that God was real and knew that they were next to face eternity and yet refused to bow the knee because of pride. That was King Herod. That was some of the Israelites. But today, you and I have an opportunity, and I just want to challenge you. Today, bow your knee before the manger and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
the best thing that can happen to you in 2022. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you promised that you would come again. And we love life and we love the earth that you have created and given to us. We love the beauty. We love the things that occur around us. Lord, we love it. We love family. We love friends. But Lord, we still look forward to a place where suffering is gone, where the pain that so many are experiencing even today as they have laid to rest this past year loved ones, or they have come down with some disease, some illness, or poverty has struck their homes. Yet, Lord, we know that not only in America but around the world, the Spirit of God is still moving and bringing people into his kingdom, and we thank you for it. Bless your people today, and for all of those here today that do not know Jesus as their Savior, let this be the day when they give their lives to Jesus Christ, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.